You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Previously on Max's Island, we learned how Ryan, in his mid-40s, took up cricket. In this episode, we'll find out how he reached the pinnacle of Australian blind cricket, getting his baggy green and playing for Australia. So tell us about what happened in Queensland earlier this year. Yeah, well, Stefan and Brad have been a part of the Australian team for quite a while now because um, I think Brad was first 14 when he toured South Africa. He even got a game, but he toured with the team. And that's generally what happens for people the first time on a tour. And Stefan had gone to India with Brad on a tour as well. And my apologies again, Brad and Steph, if I've got any of this wrong, but, you know, you can sort me out later. So international cricket was a real thing back then? Yeah. For some time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been been a part of Australia for many years. I think, you know, some of our first games were played back in the 80s and all that internationally, you know, or whatever. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe not, maybe 90s, I don't know. But So it's a real thing. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, I started playing these things. Obviously, 2019, I wasn't there. 2020 went back. We got smoked out because of the bushfires in Geelong. Yep. But then when we returned home, um, our WA coach here, the national coach, Toby, he pulled me aside and said, look, mate, you do have a talent. You should do something with it. And, you know, at this point, I still didn't know where you know, mid-on is. I didn't know what covers were. I didn't know... Oh, you, except for the ones that you pull over your head. head that's right, at the end of the night, <laughs> yeah. you know. I knew where silly mid-on is. You know I mean, yeah, it's always Ryan hanging around the silly mid-on, that's for sure. Like, you know, I, I, I had no idea. I mean, I hated cricket as a kid. Yep. And, you know, when I say hated cricket as a kid, I mean when it was on TV, right? It always reminded me, because I grew up in a house with no air conditioning, it always reminded me of bloody hot days, the roaring sound of the fan, and this damn thing on TV, there was nothing else on TV because we only had, what, two, three channels back yeah, then. Definitely. So it was either tennis yeah. or one, cricket on the other and nothing on the other. So I, I never really wallowed, followed it. I never watched it. I never got into it. I never listened to it on the radio. So I started, I guess, after Toby had a chat to me and then Brad Steph came and had a chat as well and Stefan would ring me from Sydney. And, and then so I, I started just attending our regular training sessions on a Wednesday evening for the Venetians, well, the WA team. We continued that. And then after that, they became, even over winter, where it was just myself, Brad, and a few others, we would attend. Young Mikey from the team as well, and a few others. And and that sort of kept ramping up throughout the year. And then it ended up being like Wednesday afternoons or Wednesday morning, or just even on a Sunday, occasionally you'd get called up and you had to go do this training. At sort of, once again, my expense, because 
if we were training, say, in Shenton Park, where we train sometimes, it's a $50 Uber trip there and 50 yeah. bucks back, right? So that's yeah. 100 bucks a week that you're forking out just to go do an hour's worth of training. And I'm not complaining about that, right? You know, if you want something bad enough, you, you've got to earn it. You've got to work towards it. But still, that's 400 bucks a month you're taking out of your budget. And I'm not the only one that does this. You know, there's other people doing it too. And look, we're lucky that the Wacker and Cricket Australia were, well, I think it was them funding the coaches because I don't know where the money came from or whether the coaches were volunteering or what. But yeah, so that sort of kept ramping up. That kept going and it kept, it, it happened through into, well, a little bit of a close down over COVID. You know, we could some weeks, we couldn't other weeks. We could, you know, it was all over the place because of COVID. And then this year, um, oh, I went to a cricket camp. That's right, in Canberra last year, in May of last year, in 2021. I got invited to a cricket camp in Canberra and that was like, they, Cricket Australia flew us over for free like oh, we didn't nice. have to pay for Finally. it you know? <laughs> and, and yeah and not only that they paid for the accommodation and they paid for all the meals um, and, and the we minibar yeah no <laughs> <laughs> that is one thing I will give them credit for Cricket Australia and the Wacker here are both very non-alcoholic you cannot be seen anywhere in a cricket uniform, anywhere in a bar or anywhere like that. No cricket memorabilia, nothing. Yes. Um, and even if you're on the tour, it's none. It's, it's no, it just doesn't happen. So, no, they flew us over there and I was pretty overwhelmed just to, and I know you asked about Queensland this year, but look, going back to last year, I was overwhelmed to know that we were going to be staying at the Institute of Sport in Canberra and each day we would go off and do cricket practice and it was from Sunday through to Saturday. And every day we were just out on that bus at seven o'clock in the morning. We were playing in, you know, we were getting to the Oval when it was still zero degrees in Canberra. You know, I've never played in thermals, but you had to. <laughs> yes. um, and we weren't getting back home sometimes till six at night and then being thrown through the ice baths, you know, and then having to walk back to your room and then go and get dinner. And then by that time you just wanted to fall into bed. Yeah. So I did that, you know, and continued the training here. And then this year it was pretty much the same, fast forwarding quite a bit, you know, there wasn't much change. Well, we started the Venetian season last year where we played a lot of games down south and I tried to get to as many as I could. We, we played a few schools around um, Perth as well. Um, so we'd play their year 11 and 12 cricket team. Right. Um, you know, like say Hale School, we went and played them. They were one of the standout schools we played. The lads there were really good. They were so receptive to us and just put on a really good game too, which was awesome. We were a bit short of men too, so some of them came over and played for us. And, and you know, it was really good because they all wear the glasses, you know, the, yep. the um, simulation glasses. And then, um, so the, the training continued. Um, sometimes you'd be doing training during the day with the national coach or the satellite coach. And then you'd have to front up to, you know, the training at nighttime with the, the WA coach. So sometimes twice in a day. And then I got picked to go to the camp in Brisbane this year of May. And... Unfortunately, when we got there, it rained. It, it was like someone just had fire hoses when Is we were in right? Brisbane. And that's what the water was like gushing from the sky all weekend. It didn't stop. We didn't get out on a field. We had to spend all our times indoors in nets, which for B1s is not good. It, it's a lot of noise. Yeah. There's a lot of background noise constantly going on in nets, whether it's training, whether it's coaching, people throwing balls, hitting balls, fielding practice. So sometimes, you know, your coach would be trying to tell you to do something with bat and you couldn't even hear the ball coming down the pitch. And just that background noise, continual background noise is so tiring. Yes. Just absolutely messes with your head. Anyway, um, it wasn't till the end of that camp that it dawned on me when on our way home and I was talking to Brad and, and I said, oh, well, you know, if I don't get picked, 
for the team in June, you know, it's no skin off my nose, you know. Yeah, it's a little bit disappointing, but I know I could have probably worked harder at this camp or I could have... And he elbowed me really hard and he says, what the bloody hell are you talking about, old man? You have been picked. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean I've been picked? And he said, didn't you read that email back in uh, April? I said, yeah. And he said, that was the email to say you've been picked. So the camp was just a, a camp for those that had been selected to play? Well, yeah. And it didn't dawn on me until we were heading home. And I'm like, no way. Like, I, had, I mean, I don't know how I missed it in the email. I did go back and reread it. And yeah. I thought, well, yeah, it is there. Now I know it. But it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't obvious to me. I, I don't know why it wasn't obvious. I, I missed it. But once again, I don't. <laughs> I'm so blind to a lot of things in life. I really am. <laughs> Not just eyesight. So. <laughs> so, um, you know, if a girl loves me and someone wants to marry me, you're pretty much just going to have to come and tattoo it on my head or something <laughs> like that because I have no idea. I miss so many opportunities. So, yeah. And so next thing it was like, oh, my God, like um, I'm heading to what? So in the meantime, unfortunately, the UK team pulled out of the ashes, the blind team. They... Um, stated that there was cultural problems within their team. We don't know what that means, but just look, that's what it was. So uh, there was a lot of work done in the background to get another team over so that we could still go play. Because the boys were, and I guess not so much me because I hadn't played internationally before, but the other boys that had, they were hurting. They were desperate to play an international game because they'd put a lot of training and a lot of practice in over the last four or five years and had just had nothing you know, internationally, then uh, I think some of them were starting to get fed up. And there was, well, probably, there wasn't rumours, but you know when you get the feeling that some of them just maybe wanted to walk? Yeah. Because they just had enough. Yep. So, look, a lot of strings were pulled, a lot of deals were done, and New Zealand came over. And, look, I'm really grateful for New Zealand to come over because they had six weeks' notice. They had six weeks to pull their team together, whereas we'd been doing satellite training every week, and we'd had a couple of training camps and our coaches were talking to us on a weekly basis, either by Zoom calls or emails and things like that. These New Zealand guys pulled themselves together in six weeks, funded themselves, got themselves over here, paid for their own accommodation, their own flights, everything like that. Whereas, you know, we were flown over by Cricket Australia. Once again, we were funded by Cricket Australia to be there. So my hat goes off to New Zealand. You know, they, they deserve an absolute... Um, bouquet and a half or I don't yeah. know what it is in the cricket world you know they <laughs> deserve something because without them we wouldn't have had anything to play and so the tournament then what did it look like how many games did you play was there you know in blind cricket do you play different styles you know one days versus 2020s or the equivalent or test matches well actually it's funny because I mentioned it when we were over there that um, we should play a test match and <laughs> I think I nearly got thrown off the team. Even the umpires groaned and went, oh, no, no, we're not doing blind test matches. Uh, <laughs> apparently us blind guys would draw it out for far, far too long. Yes, so right. Apparently, anyway. So, no, the, most of the games were T20, and we did play two international one-dayers. So, yeah, so we got over there on the Saturday, being the 4th of June. We all flew in. That night we were sort of own sort of, you know, go mess around, do what you want. I mean, you know, we're not talking about going to the pub, but we're talking about just just bond as a team, go get dinner, stay up late, have a do whatever you want, you know, sort of thing. Sunday morning, though, we're on the training track at 10 o'clock, and if you're not there, it's too, you know, this is how it's going to run. So we trained Sunday, Monday. We had to attend a couple of workshops through Cricket Australia about 
um, your morals and behaviour and all that sort of stuff and social media and stuff like that. We had to sign 101 contracts. Um, I think every time I turned a corner, there was someone else standing there with another contract to sign, <laughs> you know, for this and that and photos and behaviour and all that sort of stuff. And then the first game started on the Wednesday morning. Uh, now, the Tuesday, I started getting a really, really runny nose. Like, my nose was dripping like a tap. Now, I put that down to a bit of sinus, a bit of hay fever, because we were doing so much fielding practice, and us B1s, you know, you're pretty much crawling around on the grass with your nose on the grass all the time when you're diving in that. And so I thought, ah, oh, nothing of it. Took a couple of antihistamine. By that night, I was still running like a tap. So um, I did a rat test, came out negative. And I had done a rat test before. We all had to do a rat test on the morning that we flew in. So, you know, before we left home. That was negative too. Wednesday morning, I woke up at 5.30 and the first thought that went through my mind was, got to play cricket today. And that was followed by a wave of nausea in my gut, thinking, oh my God, I, there's, there's no way. I can't do this today. I honestly felt, um, think of the worst hangover you've had and times it by 10. Wow. Right, and I felt crook, I felt sick. Tried to get out of bed, my joints were aching, my head was aching, everything was sore, and I just physically felt yuck. So you're um, on the verge of playing your first game for Australia. Yeah, for Australia. And you've woken yeah. up crook. Crook, right. So did another rat test, and then spoke to the captain and said, well, you know what, sometimes I've actually excelled when I've had a hangover in different sports, whether it be sailing, cricket, or even just doing a public performance or anything like that. So I said, if I can do that when I'm hungover, and the fact I haven't drunk since Saturday, since we've got here, or, you know, um, yeah, my last drink was the Friday night before. Um, so I know I'm not hungover. I'm just going to go throw myself out in the pitch and do my best. So I did, got out in the pitch. Every time I dived for a ball, every time I ran, every time I stepped, the head was aching, the joints were hurting. I managed to bowl two overs. One of them, I pulled a really good over. Um, I was really impressed with it. The second one, not so much. And then, because we, we were uh, fielding first, then when it came to batting, even though I was sitting in full sun, I couldn't get warm. I was rugged up with everything I had. By the end of that session, we'd won the game. But the coach came over and it was Dan, Dan Drew. He said, mate, you look shithouse. You don't look well. So he went and got the doc. The doc came down, had a look, did another rat test. They still negative. Um, and then the doc said, like, well, I'm just going to give you some strepsils and go home and just relax. And I'm thinking, well, my throat's not actually that sore. <laughs> I'm like, but, you know, but, but tired-wise, I could barely walk to the bus. Yeah. I was exhausted. Something, I don't know what it was. Anyway, went back to the hotel. It's pretty gross. I didn't even shower. I just changed my uniform and I put on, I think it was nearly two, three pairs of tracky pants. I put on a couple of t-shirts and a jumper, turned the air conditioner in the room up to 30, put the extra blanket on the bed and I was still cold, jumped into bed and just slept for nearly 30 hours. Oh, wow. Going through the hots and the colds, the shivers. I missed the game that night. There was another T20 that night. They'd yeah. already said when the doctor looked at me, you're not playing tonight at seven o'clock. That's, that's out of the picture. Which was a real shame because we had played a night game on the Sunday night and I really enjoyed the night game. The night game was sensational, especially for someone like myself, like a B1. And yes. we all talked about it at the B1s. The sound was so different ah, playing at night time. Okay. Yep. The ball was as clear as day for us. We could hear that ball so much better um, and you could really track the game for once. You could really follow 
exactly where everyone was. Everyone's voices were louder. You could pick their positions a lot better. Even like batting was, wow, out of this world. It was much better. So horribly disappointed that I didn't make that Wednesday night. Really pissed off. Like that was, yeah. uh, you know, but I can understand why they didn't let me play. And I wasn't well. I mean, there's no way I would have made yeah. it. That's fascinating um, about the night cricket and the the sound and, and obviously it's just the way the, the acoustics are yeah. and then probably less less traffic noise and things like that maybe and um, but yeah it makes a bit as you say I can understand how it can make a big difference to the B1s where you, you know you're hearing and your orientation around noise is so so important. Oh absolutely and it was just I don't know I think sometimes night and someone did say to me maybe it's the water vapour in the air because the dew because um, yes. it was very wet and it was dry when we were in Brisbane I don't think it rained once during the international tournament um, but it was very dewy yes. and someone said maybe it's the water and yeah, the, the thickness in the air the water in the air like you know the, um, precipitation or whatever you call it and, you know the moisture um, sort of helping helping the acoustics of sound it. and travel and all that yeah. you know yes so how many games did you end up playing for Australia and, well firstly you got your baggy green. I, I need to. Oh, and that was on the morning I was feeling crook. Yeah. I'm so that was the morning I was just like wishing I wasn't, you know, when in some respects wishing I wasn't there, you know what I mean? Physically, like, you know, or, you know, but mentally wanted to be there. So, yeah, Brad, um, and I'd forgotten all about the handing of the baggy green. Yeah. So all of a sudden we're getting into this bloody circle and, and I'm thinking, what's going on here now? Is this going to be the pet talk from the coach or whatever? Well, I've seen the footage yeah. and it's exactly the same as the footage you see when somebody is playing test cricket for the men's Australian cricket team or the women's Australian cricket team. The team get in a circle, somebody really important, and in your case it was your Bradley, state captain Brad. Yeah, Bradley Brider, the, yeah. the, the, the state captain, yep, and, and now the national vice captain. And, and he made a fantastic speech and um, handed you your cap. And, and again, the vision of you Pulling on your cap is no different to any other Australian cricketer for the first time whacking on his baggy green. It was just, yeah. it's outstanding to see. And I got emotional, you know, Brad and I gave each other a big hug yeah. and I actually started feeling the tears well because yeah. of what he said, you know what I mean? It was just, um, and Brad said later, he, I didn't realise, but he said he had to stop talking because he was starting to well up too. Yeah. No, and it's just such a momentous moment yeah. and, you know. And I think I'm blown away too because the amount, I can't remember the exact number of people that watched that video, but it went into the thousands Yeah, yeah. on social media yeah. and it's like, wow, you yeah. know, it just, bloody so, hell. So you know, in the end, Brian, how many, how many games did you play? Oh, uh, look, um, the short story is I ended up getting well enough by the Sunday. Um, so Friday, they didn't let me play again. They, I had to stay back in the hotel room. Saturday, I was allowed to go for a walk with the team in the morning, but I was knackered by the time we got back, so I went back to sleep. Sunday, I played back-to-back -back two T20s. Yes. Um, the coach was determined that I would be there at that one. Thank goodness we had a day off Monday because I slept all day Monday again. <laughs> uh, not, I'm, I, I didn't even want dinner at the end of the night. It was on the Sunday night. I didn't want tea. I was just wanting to go home and sleep. But by the Tuesday... I was great again. That was our first one-day international. Played that and then played the second one on the Wednesday. And then we had another off-day Thursday. And then, unfortunately, the spicy flu went through the New Zealand team and we had to call off the Friday last game. So, look, all in all, I played five games for great. Australia. And there were well seven done. all up, but I played five. I'm still pretty impressed with that. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Well, I like to say, some of it hasn't even hit me. It's still not, doesn't feel real. So no. I'm, I'm going to reflect on a moment 
and it would appear that, and I haven't asked you this before, but I'm assuming you played in the game. So you've mentioned Stefan before. Yeah. So Stefan has created in this series a world record. Is that correct? Yes. And he made, and so it was one of the one-day games that you played in. Yeah. Yeah. And so, can you just tell the listeners on Max's Island what this young, outstanding, vision-impaired cricketer did in a international one-day? I will just set a little bit of a scene first. There was a bit of a joke going around the cricket camp as well. And this is like, you know, from the first one in Canberra, when the rest of the crew all found out that I used to mentor Steph or look after him during the children's programs. And he brought it up himself. The amount of times, you know, back in those days, um, when Stefan was five, six, seven, eight, nine, he was very um, energetic. Yes. And yeah, he could be very mischievous, you know, like very, very quiet. And so the amount of times that Stefan and I used to spend in the naughty corner together, you know, I'd have to take him and say, right, come on, Stefan, we're going to go have time out and I'll sit with you and have time out. And then we'd sit down and, you know, uh, we'd let all the dust fall from around us and let everyone return to normal. While Stefan and I used to have these little heart-to-hearts. We'd used to have these little chats, you know. And anyway, but Stefan brought it up. And so quite often during the camps, it was like, you know, Stefan would say something and someone yell out from the back, hey, Steph, go sit in the naughty corner with Ryan, you know. <laughs> so, so, um, but then, yeah, on this day, he was our opening batsman and or batter. And um, the next thing, he just, he just, I don't know, the machine cranked up. He just turned it on. Um, he just... He, yeah. he pulled the trigger and off he went and he made 309 runs not out and that is a world record it was previously held I believe by Sri Lanka um, I could be wrong on that again it could be Pakistan but it was previously held by one of their players at about 100 and 200 and something 260 runs so Stefan's got a lot of work to do now to keep that 309 yeah. runs. But I can't believe, like, you know, I just recently went up to Karatha to do some work. And when I was there, I was chatting to some people about blind cricket and all that sort of stuff. And a guy wandered over and he goes, man, that guy that hit the 309 runs, he's such a legend. Oh, you know, I'd love to meet him one day and all that, blah, blah, blah. And I told him, I know him. He was on my team. And he's yeah. like, no way. <laughs> you know, so, and it was just amazing. Like, we're talking Karatha. We're talking 2,000 Ks away from Perth. That's brilliant. You know, and there we are, some guy that had watched us during the series, seen all the news and all the media, and he wants to meet Stefan. That's and great. I'm thinking, that is awesome. That, yeah. to me, says blind cricket has just come a long way. It's, it, we made our mark while we were over there in the media and in the Australian minds, you know. That, to me, is just terrific. That, it means so much. So, yeah, no, Stefan turned it up. He just kept going and going and going. Um, we did have to run a few lolly snakes out to him to keep the sugars <laughs> up, and, you know, the water. And, uh, but Stefan being Stefan, you know, he's just so humble when he comes off the field. Um, you know, he's... And Stefan has a great career as a goal baller as well, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although cricket's taken over more yeah. nowadays. Um, he still plays goal ball, but I think it's a little bit more... Um, I guess a hobby yes that now but no cricket's his career now and tennis actually he does very well in the blind and vision impaired tennis yep. and I know he's got a very proud mum and dad back here and you know I had they were both there for the whole time in Brisbane and spent some time talking to them and chatting to them and and you know they're just yeah he's such a humble man when he comes off the field and he's probably one of the ones in the team that whenever we're coming off the field he's the one that I'll know that will come up behind me and put his hand on my shoulder and walk off with me Right. All the time, like, you know, and I never ask him to do it. It's just, just what Stefan does, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's testament to you, Ryan, and the time you've spent with him when he was a young lad. Look, Ryan, 
thanks for coming again to Max's Island. We always love you here and we'll certainly have you back because there's no doubt there'll be another story that you'll be able to tell us and um, that'll, especially something that'll be new to you and new, new to your life. And um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just so glad that you've uh, joined us to tell us this fantastic story about you playing cricket for Australia. We're proud of you and I'm sure um, Bradley and Stefan are really proud of you that um, they, they roped you in and, um, <laughs> and I'm still there. And you're still there, yeah. <laughs> you know, and look, I don't know if I've been picked yet to go to the Worlds in India in November of this year. You know, I know like it's going to happen. We hope it's going to happen, the Worlds in India. But if I get picked for that, oh wow, I don't know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, well, we might have to do oh. a, a live cross to you. <laughs> we'll do a podcast live from Delhi yeah. or somewhere oh, like that. my yeah. goodness me. I don't know. I don't know how to, uh, yeah, even comprehend that yet. But, yeah. you know, it's funny, isn't it? You know, on the sailing one, I did say to you, I remember um, when I was on Max's Island then for the sailing, I said, I'm looking for another adventure, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. And, you know, I think I said, I'm just going to leave it open because I'm sure something will come along. And now you've just made me, just, just sitting here, you've made me realise that it came along without me knowing. No, and and exactly. I've done it. So what's next? I don't know. Yeah. Well, anyway, we look forward to hearing about what's next on Max's Island. Thanks again, Ryan. It's always great to have you here. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate you inviting me onto the island. We spoke on the bus on the way home from work. He was lost. In the details of life Each day was a blur Oh work and no play And how How had it turned out this way He told me his plan A short term escape Five weeks on the Bibbulmin track Go it alone No one to blame If he finished Or fell by the sense was engaged, his mind was as clear as the sky, completely alone, 
No emails or phone and nothing.